This is Christine Brown, and while I have to listen to this podcast as my motherly duty, you have the choice not to. My sons sometimes say some naughty things when they're trying to be funny, but really, they're just being stupid. You still want to listen? Go right ahead. I am not your mother. Welcome back to the Patriots Dynasty Podcast. This is the 2002 season, working our way through. We're on uh, week 14 against the, the Buffalo Bills with Drew Bledsoe's return to Gillette Stadium, even though he never actually played there. That's good. Um, but before we get into this game, we have a very special guest on, someone I personally am super excited to talk to. And we have with us today, Brian Morey. And... Um, you may not recognize the name, but you'll recognize what he does. So I'm actually going to let him explain what he's doing these days. Brian, how are you? I'm doing well, guys. Thanks for having me. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm the executive director of the Patriots Hall of Fame, presented by Raytheon Technologies. And, uh, you know, after uh, covering the team back in 2002 for Patriots Football Weekly, but, um, yeah, doing around the museum now, having a great time doing that, and uh, getting to talk a little Patriots history more. Yeah. And you're also doing the um, Pats from the Past podcast too, correct? That's correct. Yeah. Which is uh, something we enjoy doing and talking to a lot of alumni about their careers and, you know, just kind of reminiscing a little bit. Yeah. For those that haven't listened to it, I highly recommend it. It's, it's uh, great. Yeah. It's the top of my, my playlist whenever it comes out. It's, uh, there's some great stories that, that you wouldn't expect to hear from yeah, that's all sorts of people. Hear. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I actually enjoyed the, the one about Andre Andre Tippett and uh, just kind of like how he was a little, a little salty about his, his time with the Patriots. I was surprised about that because that was kind of well, my first ever real uh, like first name I recognize on the Patriots, you know, growing up. Well, and there was a lot of guys, yeah. you know, that you talk to, you know, I'll give you a quick story and I probably shouldn't share it, but uh, <laughs> oh, these are the best. Yeah. Good start. Go uh, on. <laughs> When we brought, when we brought, uh, we, you know, a lot of the Hall of Famers will come back from indu- for induction, and uh, so in 2009, when uh, Robert Kraft decided to induct Billy Sullivan on the, in the 50th anniversary season for the team, you know, obviously the original owner and the founder of the, of the Patriots, yeah. uh, John Hanna said to me, "You know, whatever you do, don't sit me anywhere near the Sullivan family," <laughs> because he was bad blood there. He, well, he was salty. I mean, that, that, I'm not sure he ever got, out, got over his holdout in, I think, 77, maybe it was, where, um, you know, him and Leon Gray both held out on the left side of the offensive line there. And I think he just felt like, you know, they, the Sullivans weren't committing financially to the success of the team. And so he, uh, he was a bit salty about that. And, you know, if you know John, he doesn't certainly hide his opinions. So. <laughs> <laughs> So he said that. I was like, okay, John, whatever. <laughs> How long have you been the director of the Hall of Fame? Uh, since, since it opened in 2008. I actually went back. So I was at the Patriots from 1997 to 2005, uh, covering the team as the editor of Patriots Football Weekly. Yeah. And then left in 2005 and went down to work at uh, the score in Providence. Uh, I co-hosted an afternoon drive talk show with Scott Cordici down in Providence from 3 to 7 on weekdays. And then when, they, when the Hall of Fame was under construction, uh, I went back to the Patriots in December of 2007 
and helped finish the exhibit development and uh, and get the building opened. And I've uh, been there ever since. So you're in charge of kind of like designing all the exhibits and things like that and putting those together? Yeah, I mean, we have a great group that does that. And, and thankfully, the craft is very committed to it, um, you know, in, in terms of uh, the fan experience and really staying committed to uh, to making sure that the Hall of Fame stays updated. You know, we've probably spent, you know, since 2000, since winning the Super Bowl against Seattle in 2014, you know, they've probably spent close to $3 million renovating the building. So, wow. you know, they're really committed to making sure that the fans are getting a great experience there. And, and to be honest with you, I think when we opened, our Super Bowl gallery was just okay. And the impetus to really change that was the, the win over Seattle, the way that game finished okay. with Malcolm Butler. And it really made us pause and think and, and make some changes. We actually gutted uh, the, the gallery and the gallery in front of it, which was called the Fan Zone. And we, we really expanded the Super Bowl exhibit. And then, of course, when the, when the Falcon Super Bowl happened, you know, we had to do something special for that. And so we actually built the floor out over the pro shop and expanded the exhibit even further. Uh, and then we had that whole home win against the Rams, so that was easy. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah so, so they're actually making your job harder every time they win a Super Bowl is what you're saying. Well, yeah, you know what, though? It, it, it's invigorating. I, I truly love it. I mean, I love the – when we get to do something new like that, that, that really, you know, kind of gets me going. Uh, yeah. You get motivated to do that stuff. Um, so, you know, if they want to keep adding trophies, we'll figure out where to put them. <laughs> you, so how, you how poor somebody, thing. Yeah, I know. <laughs> how does somebody get into a job like that? Because did you have any experience well, in this sort of thing? I mean, I, I had none, and I made that very clear, in fact. <laughs> so when I was – they had reached out to me about coming back, and they didn't really have the role defined yet. Um, but they knew that, you know, they knew me. I knew them. I knew the culture. So I think – so when I sat with Jonathan Kraft before I decided to accept the position, I said to him, you know I have no idea what I'm doing, right? <laughs> and he said, and he said to me, "You'll learn." And that to me was kind of that was kind of exciting that he had that faith in me, knowing I had never run a museum and didn't really know that business, and that I would learn it. And you know, maybe some would argue whether I have or not, but um, <laughs> you know, I, I I actually went out and bought books on how to run a museum, and I read them, and I just dove in and. You know, the exhibit part of it was easy for me because that's just the storytelling. But it was all the other things that go into operating a museum, and I'm still learning. You know, there's still things that come up uh, from year to year that I learn. But, you know, the exhibit part, the storytelling part, that, that's still very exciting for me. And, and, and the other stuff was a great challenge that I hope I've learned. And uh, I think, you know, we've run a pretty good venue for the last 12 years, so it's been, it's been great. I've loved it. For all our listeners, or like all three of them, or whatever, uh, for mom, uh, what is the uh, like ticket price? Like, when are you guys open? Like, what's the availability for people to come? Well, you're probably not we, open we now, right? We haven't been open since March 15th, but right. typically, typically, in a non-COVID situation, uh, we're open um, seven days a week. Uh, we're open Monday through Friday, 10 to 5. Saturday, 10 to 9. 
and Sunday 10 to 7. We are looking at reopening very soon, um, nice. you know, depending on when this is aired. But, I mean, so, yeah, we, we should be open in September. Oh, okay. But we're going to be limited. Our, our hours will be limited, I think. Right. You know, it'll maybe just be just weekends to start off. Yeah, that makes sense. See how it goes and then go from there. So let's address the question on all of our minds. Um, <laughs> Troy Brown is as awesome as we all think he is, right? Yeah, we're that's a very a great, pro-Troy Brown uh, podcast Okay, here. So, so that's a great question. So what I will tell you on that is that when I was covering the team, people would ask me my favorite player. And I would say, I'd have to say Troy Brown. Because I was talking to Troy one day, and he made this comment to me that has always stuck with me. He said, I come in every day and just make sure my stuff is still in my locker. <laughs> Meaning he never took one day in the NFL for granted. He came in every day trying to prove that he belonged. And I thought that was a great message. And something that's always stuck with me and something that I try to keep as far as my mentality goes, that hey, nothing is guaranteed, nothing is promised to us. You know, come in and justify your job every day that you come in. And that's what he did. Fantastic. I love it. Yeah. The more, I mean, we we were Troy Brown fans growing up because our last name is Brown, so it fit. And, you know, he was the Troy Brown you see on, on TV. He was that, that prototypical patriot. Um, but right. the more we hear about him, the happier I am with that decision. In fact, in fact, at the top of the show, I heard you talk about, you know, talk about the, the Bills' 2002 visit to July. Oh, no, that wasn't the game. It was 2004 where he intercepted Drew. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I yeah, we'll get to that. <laughs> but he was always just that guy who, when you needed a play, he's the one that'll get it for you. Absolutely. And there's, a, there's a few guys like that. You know, the old cliche was, if you need eight, he gets you nine. If you need three, he gets you four. Kevin yeah. Falk would be another guy in that category. Agreed. Mm-hmm. You know, guys that just, I mean, before I was even covering the team, I still remember vividly the play he made in 1996, lying on his back against the Giants in, week, in the final week of the season when they clinched, uh, when they clinched the division in a bye in the playoffs. Yeah. Uh, it was a third and long play, and he was literally lying on his back when he caught the ball. I don't remember this play. I'm Googling it right now. Yeah, yeah, no, 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 no. <laughs> Finally found Sorry. someone who knows more about Troy Brown than I do. <laughs> Jesus. Uh, and, of course, you got the play in 2001 in the Super Bowl that put them in field goal yeah. range. Yep. On, on and also 64, the... max, 64 max all in was the play call on that. <laughs> max the play max protection. Everyone running cuts. That's amazing. And of course, you have the uh, the 2001 AFC Championship game too, where he has the wherewithal to scoop up the the blocked kick and lateral it, so that it goes for a touchdown instead of just a, a big game at the end of the half. There, I really like this direction this interview is taking, just about how awesome Troy Brown is. <laughs> right. Well, the funny story about him for a touchdown that game. I don't know if you guys how well you guys remember this, but they they punted the ball. And he didn't field it, and it bounced to the big Steelers' bounce. It ended up being like a 60-yard punt, and the yeah. Steelers were penalized on the play. I can't remember exactly for what size or something. And when they re-spotted the ball, they spotted it on the wrong hash mark. Yes. On the re-kick. And so 
Well, he was trying to angle the kick. He didn't get it on the right angle. Troy caught it and took it back to the house. And, of course, you know, making guys run down the field two times in a row in punt coverage is always challenging. I think, if I'm not mistaken, uh, Gerard Cherry uh, was, like, the vice guy on the punt. And he, I think he, him... I think he blocked their gunner all the way back into the end zone. Yeah, and that yeah. was the guy that <clears throat> committed the penalty too. Yeah, he ran out of bounds and he was the gunner immediately, and that's what yeah. the penalty was. Yeah. <laughs> oh, we did you have and, we watched it recently? Game. Yes, we just did 2001 <laughs> a couple of weeks ago. Well, I became the first receiver that season to ever catch 100 passes in a season. Yep, he sure was. And, and went to the Pro Bowl. And that you know, he, he didn't go to the Pro Bowl that year, did he? Was he like an alternate? Yeah, I thought that... He was oh, was alternate. he an alternate? Yeah. He yeah. going. That's his only one. Oh, he went. He went, though. I remember, because I remember the picture of the, the Pro Bowl guys at the Super Bowl. Because they oh, left right, right from the Super Bowl to go to Hawaii. Right, right. Yeah, that was a whirlwind that year. It's pretty but, exciting. Uh, yeah, I remember his... his I think we talked about it. His uh, his first catch, his a hundredth catch actually got overturned because it it hit the ground or something. He bobbled it, and so he had to go and do it again to get the hundredth catch. After he made Troy. a big deal of it, yeah. yeah. <laughs> if memory serves, he finished with a hundred and one. Yeah, probably one of the. No, two. A lot of a lot of them were at the line of scrimmage that year, but. <laughs> oh yeah, and then it looked like a punt return from there, just making right. guys look really really ugly. <laughs> Although nice. I believe he did catch the pass from David Patton at Indianapolis. Yes, and that David yes, Patton threw for a touchdown, ran for a touchdown, yeah. and caught a touchdown. Yep, that was him. Yeah. Oh, I like how this is just turning into the Troy Brown uh, yeah. happy hour. This is, yeah, this is perfect. <laughs> uh, he caught like the touchdown pass from Adam Vinatieri in St. Louis. He did, yep, on the fake, uh, the I fake field or fake extra point or something. I don't remember what it was. Yeah, fake field goal. I think that was 04 because I think that was also the game he went in and started playing defensive back. Yes, yeah, I'm I think just you're sitting right. here watching a Troy Brown highlight video, and they just showed that strip <laughs> of Marlon McCree. Oh, uh, and is that? How do we forget that? Uh, yeah, Diego, yeah. <laughs> huge fight. <laughs> yeah. Oh, we wouldn't have had to endure the final minute loss in Indianapolis. But. Yeah, we don't talk about that. Well, we will eventually, <laughs> but we won't enjoy it, I'm pretty sure. Maybe we'll just watch the first half of that game. Yeah, skip it. <laughs> 21 to 3 at the break. Yeah. Uh, Very good. Yeah, and then we'll just, yeah, we'll, we'll pretend like that was the Super Bowl. And... That's right, because we would have won yes. that year, too. Oh, that was, the yeah, that was the Super Bowl, that game, because either yeah, team no was going to beat the Bears. Yeah. Absolutely. Bears. <laughs> um, all right, I, yeah, I want to talk a little bit about your podcast. Um, my first question is, uh, when you had Ty Law on, did he let you keep the ball of vodka he brought? He did. <laughs> In fact, Good. he was pouring on something. <laughs> oh, yeah, we can hear that part. <laughs> I so didn't know if you got to keep it. This, but, but, yes, he gave me a bottle, yes. It's very good, okay, by good. the way. All right. Yeah, we've, uh, we did a... Um, uh, in, in the 2001 AFC Championship game, we did uh, a Drew Bledsoe celebration so we bought his wine and drank that for, for oh nice episode. and that's really good too uh, you did andy yeah yeah i was only they could find it actually because i'm the only one that's still I, uh, yes i got to try his wine when we when we brought the 2001 team back for its 15th anniversary uh he supplied the wine at the event so nice oh man nice. he and david hewitt 
also has his own wine. David Hewitt has his own wine? Yeah. Well, add it to the list, boys. We're going to have a Damon Hewitt episode. <laughs> the Damon Hewitt appreciation Is it episode. the real Damon Hewitt or is it like Josh McDaniel? Did you know oh. Bledsoe's business partner is Josh Mcdaniels? But it's not yeah. the... It's not yeah. the Josh. Yeah. <laughs> that, that got us all sorts of confused. Well, and I think in the wine world, they say, yeah, the Patriots offensive coordinator is Josh McDaniels, but it's not the Josh McDaniels. <laughs> <laughs> it's a different one. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. But yeah. So, we should you do know, a Thai law. Yeah, I think we absolutely should do a Thai law episode where we drink his vodka, but I think that might get a little messier than a wine episode and then we go <laughs> to his his trampoline park after <gasps> That's oh that's right he sold those did oh he really? did he sold out had to get into the v1 business oh, oh tough that's good that was <laughs> a broken, good, a good combo, yeah, broken yeah. ankle waiting to happen anyway it, or at least throw <laughs> it up did someone's puking Mm-hmm. It didn't. Uh, wasn't there a, a sport that they had back in the day where it was? Yes, slam ball. trampoline basketball, slam ball. That's right. Yeah, that show was sweet. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, you know who was good when we did. You know, who told the funny story. I don't know if you heard the Lawyer Malloy podcast. Oh yeah. But if you've heard the story about when he went to the Super Bowl in St. Louis, I mean in New Orleans against the Rams in Super Bowl Thirty Six, when he gets to his hotel room, he's got this really small hotel room. And Richard Seymour comes by and he's like, oh man, you should see my hotel room. I got this great big room. It's awesome. And Laura Malloy was like, what, is, what, what are you talking about? The rookie got a better room than I did? <laughs> yeah. So he goes down the bill and he goes, coach, you know, I don't, I don't want to sound like ungrateful or like I'm not focused or anything, but you know, my hotel room sucks. <laughs> and Bill was like, really, lawyer? That's what you're worried about? <laughs> so Lloyd so was like, you know what? Yeah, you're right, coach. I'm sorry. And he walks away. So later on, Bill's assistant goes up to him. Bill's assistant bears goes up to him and says, hey, here's the key to your new room. So, so Lloyd was like, oh, awesome. Thanks. So he goes up to the room, and he goes in the room, and there's, and there's a treadmill in the room. And he's like, wow, I got this awesome room. And uh, so coach sees him later in the day, and he goes, how do you like your new room? He's like, oh, coach, thanks so much. It's awesome. He goes, well, I don't know why, but they put a treadmill in my room. And, and Bill goes, yeah, because it was my room. Bill gave him his room. Holy shit. Oh, wow. crap. He walked away. He's like, oh, thanks, coach. <laughs> yeah, what do you say to that? Did Bill <laughs> stay in his room, in the other room? I think, I think so. I mean, that makes sense. It only created the best defensive game plan in the history of the league that night. <laughs> From Lloyd Malay's craft room. <laughs> yeah. I wonder if we can get that room, if we can go down to... Yeah, book the hotel room. It, yeah. it, it was the Fairmont Hotel. Right. See? There we go. Let's we'll find out what room it was. We could probably then, afford the cheap room. The small one. So, but we, so I traveled with the team, and back then... We would stay on, you know, as a writer for Patriots Football Weekly, we would stay on the floor with the players. Like, there was no separation. So, like, Ty Locke could have been sleeping in the room next door to me. Oh, now man. that doesn't happen. A couple of years later, they'll, they'll change that whole thing. And we got to put separate floors. The players had their own floors. But 
But that, that Super Bowl, I sat on the same floor with a bunch of the players. So you'd walk out of your room, and it would be Ty and Lawyer walking down the hall. <laughs> that is so cool. But not anymore. Uh, but the best part about that was when you get off the elevator, there'd be tubs of drinks and stuff and snacks and drinks at, right on your floor, which was pretty <laughs> cool. You get spoiled. Yeah, free shit. Oh, I bet, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's the Super Bowl, right? Got to go all out. It's only $121, Sid. Let's go. Oh, all right. There yeah, you go. We'll, ask for the, we'll ask for the lawyer, Malloy. Thanks, Cody. Because the hurricane just blasted through. Yeah. Louis. Yeah, there it is didn't, that. It, it didn't get New Orleans as fast as it was further towards Texas. I think that really took the brunt of that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Lake Charles, I think it was. That sounds familiar. All right. Um, do you boys have any questions you want to ask, Brian? I've got. I have one, but I'll save it for the end here because we yeah. don't know what I'm going to ask. <laughs> it's true. I, I, uh, I got a question. How, how does the how does the decision making how are, how are the decisions made and who gets into the the Hall of Fame for the Patriots specifically? That's a really good question. So every year in about April, a lot of media people that have covered the team. For- Occasionally, there's Andre Tippett is on it. Occasionally, there's another Hall of Famer who might invite Steve Nelson or Steve Grogan just to get some of that perspective from players who played, you know, back in the 70s and 80s. Um, and then, you know, media members, a couple of staff, people, Fred Kirsch, who, who's the vice president of content for the Patriots, Paul Perillo, who covers the team for Patriots Football Weekly still, uh, Matt Smith from, the, from our production studio, guys that have been around for quite a while. Um, so that committee meets, and anyone can nominate a player who has been retired for at least four years, um, so or coach for that matter, head coach. So, you, so if I want to nominate a player, I will stand up. I'll say I'd like to nominate Lori Malloy. Might give a couple reasons why, but we really we go through a nomination process, and then we go through each nominee and discuss or debate their merits. So, you know, those conversations pretty much stay in the room. Um, You know, there's reporters in the room, obviously, but we like to keep it private so people can speak their mind on on either for or against a player or coach. Um, You know, people can report on their own opinions all they want. They're just not really reporting on other people's opinions. Um, So once we go through the whole nomination process, discuss the nominees, Everybody's given a ballot, and you can vote for your top three choices, five points for first place, three points for second place, one point for third place. And the top three vote-getters become our finalists, and they go on Patriots.com for the fans to vote and determine who that year's inductee will be. We also have a senior selection committee. So every – it's kind of sporadic. Maybe every three years could be longer, could be – it could be quicker, but – the Senior Selection Committee, uh, which is made up of the 10 most senior members of that year's committee, uh, can meet and decide if there's a player who has been retired for 25 or more years and has been a previous finalist but not selected by the fans, the Senior Selection Committee can, in, can, can vote that person in with 8 out of 10 votes. Cool. So it's a pretty rigorous process at that point. You know, it's, it's really to make up. It, it really came out of, uh, of John Morris not being elected by the fans. John Morris was the first player 
that the committee voted number one that the fans didn't, and it happened like two to three years in a row. And so we decided that there needs to be a mechanism in place because John Morris was a a center in the 60s and 70s. There's going to be a lot of fans that don't remember him. You know, it's not like he was catching touchdown passes, you know. So so we put the system into place where the senior committee could, if, if a player had been elected a finalist by the committee and was retired for 25 or more years and got eight of 10 votes from the senior committee, that they would be inducted. So there's been John Morris, uh, Houston Antwine, and who did we just do um, a couple years ago? Uh, Leon Gray. Have oh, other okay. three players that have been inducted by the senior committee. That's really cool. Interesting. Can you, can you nominate as many people as you want in that like first nomination you, session? You could, yeah. yeah. How many um, typically are like raised? Uh, there's usually probably a dozen or so. And then like you got to think that there's like a glut of Hall of Patriots Hall of Famers coming up ish, right? Well, and, and so, yes, and so, you know, you, you run into this situation where are players from, you know, earlier eras going to be not going to have a less of a chance? And, and frankly, yeah. Yeah. I mean, they are, but, but you know, the guys who, especially the guys who are part of multiple Super Bowl teams and were major contributors on those teams, well, you know, they're probably in, in many cases, and not all cases, but in many cases, more worthy anyway. So, you know, it, it kind of fits the bill. You know, I, I look at Pro Football Hall of Famers and how long it took Andre Tippett to get in. Right. And Andre Tippett, you know, if it wasn't for Lawrence Taylor in that era, he's the best linebacker out there. And so, but the Patriots weren't very good for a lot of those years. or certainly weren't competing for championships. You know, they were competitive a number of times, but they weren't a perennial playoff team. They didn't really compete for championship consistently, and I think that hurt Andre. Conversely, yeah. the guys who won championships here, I think that, you know, that, that's the feather in their cap. And, and is it the end-all, be-all? No, but I think that it's a, it's a piece of the puzzle. If you're, if you're a solid contributor, a, a above-average player on, on championship teams, I think that matters. Yeah. Mm. So yeah, speaking sense. of piece of the puzzle, but I know there's a lot opinion. By the way, and by the way, I'm just a member of the committee, so I have no say in who gets inducted. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> so, so there's been a lot of discussion in like the Pro Football Hall of Fame and other Hall of Fames of like how do you evaluate off the field stuff? Is that something that comes into those conversations when you're doing it? Good question. Um, I, I you know, uh, we haven't had a lot of guys where I think that's been an issue uh, whose cool. name has come up. I mean, I can tell you that I think Rodney Harrison was hurt for a couple of years by his suspension mm. when he got oh, suspended. Yeah. So I think that hurt him. But eventually, you know, I think the, the committee came around on that. Um, you know, there are people, there are there was people in the room that were big advocates for what he did um, on the field and the impact that he made and the impact he made inside the locker room. And I think... You know, when push came to shove, that kind of rose to the top. But that's the only time I can think of an issue that we've had with an what about like uh, Bill Parcells almost in terms of like. Well, Bill Parcells, been a finalist. Bill Parcells has been a finalist three or four times now. 
I'm a yeah. hard no. Yeah, I, th I think there's a lot of uh, divisiveness around uh, between fans about whether or not to have him in. Well, like, remember, I used to hate Curtis Martin, yeah. and then I shifted all my hate from Curtis Martin to Bill Parcells. Right, and I think you're not alone in that. I could make, I could make. It's one of those things where if I was on a debate team, I could argue either side on the yeah. Parcells right. thing. Yeah. And so I'll give you my opinion in that, you know, I think the big argument, I, and I obviously read this every year, whether it's, the, you know, everybody at the Boston Globe writing it or whatever, right? Shaughnessy this year. Yeah. Okay? I think Shaughnessy wrote this year, there's no Patriots Hall of Fame without Bill Parcells in it. Which, you know, Shaughnessy. I obviously, I respect him, but I don't, I certainly don't agree with him on that. Oh, you respect so, him? Because so I don't. Well, that's besides the point. But that's, <laughs> so, so, what I will say is about Coach Parcells is, the big argument that I hear people make is that he brought instant credibility to the Patriots. Right. Okay. In a time where they had none and there's no, I don't, that's not debatable. Right. That's true. Yeah. But I always argue that because he had two Super Bowl rings on this one, those with the Giants, that puts him in the, that doesn't put him in the Patriots Hall of Fame just because he had credibility. Now, his record, his record in four years was 32 and 32. But I throw out the first year. I mean, the first year he was remaking that team, changing the culture, which he did. He changed the culture. Yeah. Okay? And then, you know, if you look at the players he drafted that, that continued to make impacts after he was gone, you got Bledsoe, Troy Brown, Chris Slade, Willie McGinnis, Curtis Martin, Ted Johnson, Teddy Bruschi, Lawyer Malloy, Terry Glenn, although you can't really give him credit for Terry Glenn, so I take that one. <laughs> um, but, but, you know, so, so there are a number of guys that he drafted, and he changed the culture for sure. Now, throughout the first year, the second year, they're three and six. They run off seven in a row and make the playoffs. Yep. You know, that was the, year, the, the seven-game winning streak that started with Bledsoe's 45 of 70 game in Foxborough against the Vikings, 26-20 yeah. overtime win. Okay, so then they win seven in a row. They finish with beating Chicago, and they play actually Cleveland, uh, Bill Belichick's Cleveland Browns in the wild card game, and they lose. Yeah. They come back in 95 with some higher expectations, and they go 6-10. Bledsoe separates his non-throwing shoulder during the season. Parcells plays him through it. He struggles, and they go 6-10. and 10. During that season, you know, Parcells didn't do, a, uh, didn't do his press conference after the game in Kansas City, said he was dehydrated, comes home <laughs> from that game, and asks for the final year off his contract. His people reach out to the owners, to the craft, ask for the final year off his contract. So huh. they give it to him, and putting in the stipulation into his contract that he can't coach anywhere else in 1997. So, um, so they go through the 95 season, and they get to the draft. Now, he wants to draft, I think it was a defensive lineman from Clemson, and Bobby Greer wanted to draft Terry Glenn. Right. So Robert has to step in and make a decision. Do I go with my head coach or my personnel guy? Well, my head coach is in the final year of his contract and asked for the 97 year to be eliminated from his contract my personnel guy is in it for the long haul. Yeah. So he goes with Bobby. Rightly or wrong, but he decides, he goes with Bobby, they draft Terry Glenn, and which leads to the, if they want you to cook the meal, they should at least let you shop for the groceries. Buy the groceries, yeah. yeah. 
So, you know, I didn't know he'd so, already asked for the last year out of his contract. That's crazy. I didn't realize that either, yeah. Yeah. And, and then, you know, during the 96 Super Bowl season, his house was for sale. So, you know, I mean, I think that, that there's a lot of things that enter into the fray. And so the supporters of his Hall of Fame candidacy cites, first of all, I think the media supports him more so than the fan base as a whole. And I think the media enjoyed covering him. You know, he's, he's a very charismatic guy. I never covered him, by yeah. the way. I started covering the team right after he left. But so I don't have any personal experiences with him. So those guys, I think all the media, he filled their notebooks. He gave them great quotes. He was good TV. They all like him. They all enjoyed covering him. So I think that that's a part of it. Um, and he definitely, you know, he definitely had a major impact. Now, people talk about the guys he drafted that were part of the Super Bowl teams in the early 2000s, and that's true. However, they also don't bring up the fact that after he left with those guys, 10 and 6, 9 and 7, 8 and 8, 5 and 11. And it wasn't until 2001 when Coach Belichick brought in a lot of good veteran leader guys Roman Pfeiffer, Brian Cox, Anthony Pleasant, Otis Smith, you know, a number of guys that were Mike Vrabel, okay, Um, David Patton, these guys that were veteran guys that really added some character to the locker room because, and, and listen, I'm not taking anything away from those Parcells draft picks. They were all tremendous, but I don't think they were ready to step into leadership roles when Parcells left. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay, and so they really evolved, and I think that bringing in those character guys into the locker room was helpful. Even a guy like Brian Cox didn't have a great reputation, you know, had his incidents with fans. Um, but Billy Coach, I'll never forget in 2001, you know, week two, and they were playing the Colts. In week three, Brady's first start, and the Colts had scored 85 points or something in the first two games, and the Patriots had struggled to 0-2, and nobody gave the Patriots a chance. And right. Brian Cox was in front of his locker that week, and he basically said, well, I won't quote him. He said, Peyton, I'll quote some of him. He said, Peyton Manning puts his pants on just like I put my pants on. <laughs> and I'm not the kind of guy to blank another man's blank. <laughs> okay? And, and – and he said one week in this league has nothing to do with the next. And they went out and won 44 to 13. Yeah, they did. You know, yeah. um, Brady, Brady didn't have huge numbers, but Antoine Smith rushed for 90-something yards. Uh, they had a couple interceptions for touchdowns. Ty Law wow. had one. Otis Smith had one. Um, and didn't and Brian Cox set the tone game. in that game with a hit on whoever that wide receiver was? He laid out one of the Colts wide receivers early. Uh, Jerome Payton. Yeah. Let's look through my notes. <laughs> See? <laughs> <laughs> I think we're losing you a bit there, Brad. Yeah. <laughs> I like this That's what I said, but slower. Yeah. You still there, Brian? You guys got me? Yeah, oh, yeah, we got you back now, now yeah. <laughs> we lost you there for a second. I'm getting my Wi-Fi. 
Yeah, that's a whole lot better. Yeah, yeah, you sound great. Did I lose you? No. Well, we lost you for a second. I can still see you. Yeah, no, you're back. Can you hear us? No. No, you can't. We got you. Thumbs down. Thumbs up. Yeah, still there. I can see you. I just can't hear you. Oh. Really? Turn the volume up. Hello? Hey. Hi. We can hear you. But we, you can't hear us. <laughs> oh, I got you. You got you me? Yeah, yeah, we got you. All right, sorry about that. No it, was, it was Jerome Payphone. That he had. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, and, you know, but those guys really kind of carried the torch a little bit that season and brought, you know, Roman Pfeiffer. I mean, you couldn't have a better guy in the locker room than Roman oh, Pfeiffer. God, yeah. And when you added those guys to the Troy Browns and the – you know, the Teddy Brewskis and Ted Johnsons that were already in the room. I think that that made all the difference in the world. And then, you know, getting everybody to buy into the whole team concept and, and get, leave the egos at the door, you know, made a big difference as well. So, you know, I, I just think that when you talk about coach Parcells, yes, those guys made an impact, but it, 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 it was later on and took some time. It wasn't like when coach Parcells left, you know, that culture change didn't stay. Pete Carroll brought his own culture in. Right. And so, and at that time, it didn't work. And that was a, there was a number of reasons for that. But so, you know, I, I think that people that say Coach Parcells in our Hall of Fame is a no-brainer, I don't agree with that. I think it's a great debate. I think it would be a great induction ceremony. Don't get me wrong. Oh, yeah. That but, speech would be great. Um, but and, and, that, and I'm not I'm not trying to take anything away from the guy. He's a pro football Hall of Famer, hands down. Yeah. Yes. I'll give but, him that, but not Pat's but, Hall of Fame. And and some of the debates we've had in the room center around a guy's amount of time with the team. So Curtis Martin, three years. Randy yeah. Moss, three years. Um, even Rodney came up because Rodney I think was here for six, but he was injured for a couple of those. So. But no one seems to really be bothered by the fact that Parcells was only here for four. So, you know, like I said, it's a great debate. I don't think it's a no-brainer by any stretch. I can't argue with people that say he changed the culture and brought credibility to the team. He did those yeah, things. Absolutely. Um, but I don't think it lingered when he left. So I don't – now, the other thing people try to argue is that, um, you know, Bill Belichick wouldn't be here if it wasn't for Bill Parcells. And there's definitely some truth to that. Um, yeah. You know, Bill, Bill Belichick was introduced to Robert Kraft in 1996. And so maybe Bill Belichick isn't here if it wasn't for Bill Parcells. I don't fall into the camp that Bill Parcells deserves any credit for what Bill Belichick has done here. Oh, yeah, I agree with so that. So that's my two cents on that. How's, was, did, 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 did that toe the line enough? <laughs> no, I mean, I think you. Uh, I, think I feel like you didn't take a bald enough stance, but yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I listen. I, I think it would be great if he if it would be a great ceremony for sure. I just you know I think it's Very I just think it's, a, it's a great debate. I don't think it's a no brainer. Is my point? Yeah, I'm yeah. I think I'm in now. the same boat. So, is, so Steve's a hard no. I'm I'm in the middle with Bry. So that must mean Greg's a well, hard Well, I yes. think there's a, I think it's a very polarizing you know, uh, debate. And, and there are people that think like Shaughnessy that, you know, there is no hall of fame without him in it. And then there are people that do not forgive the way he left. 
Yeah. I mean, he didn't fly home with the team from the Super Bowl. I think, again, right. a piece oh, yeah. of the puzzle. Like yeah. I've argued, I've argued actually in the meetings, well, we need to consider Chuck Fairbanks because he was Bill Parcells before Bill Parcells here. Uh, yeah. He took over a downtrodden that? franchise in the early 70s, and That's he true. drafted multiple Patriots Hall of Famers, including two pro football Hall of Famers and John Hanna and Mike Haynes, you know, but Stanley Morgan, Steve Nelson, Steve Grogan, uh, you know, yeah. a number of guys through that, through that period of the 70s. I mean, Daryl Stingley, who obviously is in the Hall of Fame and his career was cut short, but uh, Pete Brock, Tim Fox, Sam Cunningham, you know, and, and he had that 76 team on the cusp of a championship when they got screwed by Ben Dreith on a phantom roughing the passer call. They were the only team to beat Oakland that year, and they hammered Oakland in the regular season. <laughs> Oakland went on to win the Super Bowl, and the Patriots left with a bitter taste. It took 25 years, by the way. To get yeah, we, we got a revenge. <laughs> <laughs> But, uh, yeah. And then the 78 team was the first team to win the division, but Fairbanks left under a similar cloud of controversy. You know, he had accepted a college job, I think, at the University of Oklahoma, and uh, the Sullivan family got wind of it going into their final game in Miami, and so I guess suspended him would be the right word for the final game, and the coordinators coached the game in Miami. They reinstated him for the playoff game against Houston. They got buried by the Oilers. And, uh, and then he was gone. And so there was a similar controversy around his departure. And again, I think that's a piece of the puzzle. Yeah. That doesn't sound as much like that's on him as maybe the way Parcells left, though. That almost yes. sounds like ownership. Yeah. I mean, listen, I think that, that, that Parcells, put it this way. I know that when Parcells, when, when Parcells was hired before Kraft bought the team. Right. When Robert bought the team... One of his first calls came from Coach Parcells saying he was thinking about leaving. <laughs> so I think it was, it was always a year-to-year -year thing. And I think his career bears that out. Like he left here, he went to the Jets short-term, then to the Cowboys short-term. Then he was with the Dolphins for a little bit, right? Oh, or right. vice versa on the Dolphins and the Cowboys. About that. So he kind of jumped around a little bit. And I, but I think he was just – I think that phone call was probably made to feel out ownership. Hmm. But – you know, Robert gave him what he wanted, and he went and signed David Meggett to a, a good-sized contract. Uh, they traded Irving Fryer. Um, they signed Bob Cratch and, and um, uh, Roberts, the other offensive lineman that he had coached with the Giants. I mean, he was doing what Parcells wanted him to do. And then over time, I think, you know, I'm sure both sides would, would admit to making mistakes in that yeah, relationship. Yeah. But I think the trust between the two eroded, and it led to kind of a bitter breakup. Yeah. And, and, you know, that sort of thing happens, especially in business. But uh, I think a lot of businesses don't have fans attached to the outcomes of those situations. Yeah. So you find yourself in having these conversations about football when you wouldn't about web development, for instance, or marketing or right. whatever it is that Greg does. Greg doesn't even know what Greg does. <laughs> no, he doesn't. <laughs> whatever it is, I'm in the Hall of Fame of it. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I'm not many. I just work in one. <laughs> that still counts. You're in the Hall of Fame of Hall of Fame workers. <laughs> they, they don't give me a red jacket. Dude, they should which, make the a way, Hall of Fame. Which, by the way, those red jackets are nice. Yeah, I don't believe it. They're, they're way nicer than the ones I get in Canton. Yeah, I'll buy one from China <laughs> for 35 bucks. <laughs> yeah, we'll send you one. We'll put your name on it. It'll be nice.
Yeah. Well, I'm not going to lie. The fabric probably comes from China, but <laughs> but they're custom made, so nice. Yeah, fair. Steve, you had uh, you had one last question for Brian. Yeah, um, it's more of a favor than a question. <laughs> uh, okay. I just you know I could die happy if Troy Brown knows who I am, or knows who <laughs> we are, really. So, so I got to tell him about little... the Patriots Dynasty podcast. Yeah. So, hey, there's these Brown brothers that just love you, Troy. And <laughs> you don't even have to well, listen to unfortunately, it. Unfortunately, <laughs> I don't think I'm even allowed to see him right now. Yeah, I mean, no you're probably pretty busy at the moment. Yeah. Well, those And those guys get tested every single day right now. Oh, so yeah. they're in like their own yeah. little bubble in terms of in the stadium. Um, so we're not – I'm not anywhere. I haven't seen a player, you know, so – I'm in no hurry. I got I, I okay, well, the rest of my life. Yeah, we're going through every game of the, uh, podcast of the by dynasty. the Brown brothers. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. What can Brown do for you? <laughs> well, we were going to do a, a podcast about the, the Cleveland Browns and do Browns on Browns. There you go. Um, but there's not many games to talk I want to know what your thoughts Browns. are on week two of 2002 against Buffalo. Oh, you want to get into this? We can oh, we can talk I mean, about it. If you if you want to listen to the podcast, I can tell you yeah. already done that one. We're, we're on to the second one. I know in two thousand two yeah. we couldn't stop the run. No, we crushed Bledsoe yes. then. But that yeah. but that actually came about in the Kansas City game, which might have been week three. That's when it kicked Priest, off. Yes. Priest Holmes. Yeah. Yeah. Priest, Priest Holmes ran to send it to Ugh. overtime. Yep. I remember and, that. Uh, Steve actually called it because it was one last play to tie the game up at the end of the game. And exactly, um, yes. He, he was thinking that that it would be a pass play, but oh uh, uh, yeah, throw us a slant, not meant please. To be, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was in, that was the year they brought Steve Martin in. He was like the, yeah. the big free agent acquisition. Yeah, I saw him in this game. I'm about to talk about. Yeah, I think he. I, I don't think he worked out that well. No, no, no. I was actually reading. Uh, was it War Room by? Uh, by Michael Holly. Yes, thank you. Yeah. Um, and that was actually in there about how Belichick was so angry over his tape that that's all they did one day was just go over how bad he was on tape. <laughs> yeah, well, they certainly struggled that year. They lost that game in San Diego where they couldn't stop LT, although mm-hmm. no shame in not being – actually, Priest Holmes is pretty good too. But Yeah, but both of the – well, I think Priest Holmes went for almost 200 yards – LT did go for 200 yards. Yeah. And then who was it that was on the Dolphins at that point? Uh, Lamar uh, Smith, maybe? Lamar Smith, yeah. I think, yep. And then, so. but I mean, so those those two games, and they lost to the Packers and the Broncos after that. Yeah, the, so they that, lost by four the way, in a row. By the way, they wore blue on blue in those two games. They did. And after that, Belichick said, we're never doing that again. Is that why? I was actually wondering if that was the case because that does and sound then, like a Belichick thing. And then they, you know, when the NFL brought out the color rush uniforms, they, they, they caved and, and, and went with them. <laughs> Not sure they had a choice. And now they're wearing them again, right? And that's their yeah. new uniform now. That's, that's their actual uniform. Well, the top rush. is now, yeah, the top is essentially their new top. But the, yeah. I, I mean, yeah, are they wearing it blue on blue at home? I think it's blue on blue. Oh, they might be. Yeah, you might be right I think about it's like that. real similar to the color rush stuff. So. I know the jersey is basically that same exact jersey. Right. Yeah. Yep, yep. But, um, yeah, so they lost those four games in 2002. And uh, that is the longest losing streak in the past 20 years. In the Belichick era. 
Four. Yeah, so we're past it. We have another 18 years. Yeah, they've done it a couple times. Uh, they've lost not, three in a row a couple times? Not very often. Yeah. We have a website to figure this out, right? We do, yeah. yeah PatriotsDynasty.info. PatriotsDynasty.info. I'll turn to go off memory. Um, I think... Uh, yeah, it's a tough one. Yeah, I can't... Uh, I remember it happening. It may have been like... Uh, around the beginning and end of a season sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. So, like I'll, so I'll tease something for you. We, so we, over the, we, we just were kind of finishing up with the first year, but we did an exhibit throughout last year called Yes, It's Still a Dynasty, where we yeah. compared the Patriots since 2001 to every team in the NFL, and the dominance is remarkable. And don't listen to anyone tells you, that tells you they win because they're in the AFC East, because they dominate every division. They have an over 700 winning percentage against every division except the AFC West, and it's like 643 against the West. So, so anyway, <laughs> that exhibit is now kind of ending its run, and we're transitioning to the all-dynasty team, which will celebrate the individuals that made up the dynasty. So we had fans vote throughout last season on Patriots.com to help pick that, that team. And that will be unveiled here in the next couple, two, three weeks. Okay. I did that. I did that vote. It's so much higher than you think. I know. I've, I've tried to put that team together. Over like narrowing down like, oh, pick three cornerbacks. And it was like, yeah, oh, that's what I was going to say. Who, who would your second, who, who would the, the second cornerback be? So, yeah. you, so who's your kicker? I won't. Who's your well, kicker? We've, we've had that talk we, too. We've had this debate. <laughs> I won't reveal who, who, who was selected, but you know. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it has to be Vinatieri. It has to be. I mean, well, Mark, it, yeah. <laughs> Who's your quarterback? Get the fuck out of here, <laughs> <laughs> Scott Zolak. <laughs> Scott Seacoles. Uh, <laughs> dude, I'd vote for Zolak. I fucking love that guy. <laughs> I just looked it up. There is no three-game losing streaks either. Really? There's a couple. Uh, I saw one four. In five games, but no three in a row. Wow. Oh. Yeah, they'd yeah, be pretty good. Oh, yeah. Three and four. Weeks. <laughs> hey, yeah, a lot different. of five game winning streaks, though. Oh, yeah, a couple <laughs> of those. We're actually, yeah, we're coming up on the, uh, the big winning streak once we get through the 2002 season. This is, we're, we're doing a lot, watching a lot of losses mm-hmm. this season, but uh, we'll never watch this many in a season again. Yeah, after the uh, starting with the Tennessee game in 2003, you'll have a nice run. Yeah, yeah. After that Washington game, that's uh, looking forward to it. Correct. Yes, yeah. me too. Which, if time. Daniel Graham had only come down with that pass at the end of that game, they might have been able to win that one too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was even a close one. He on this podcast, but you know, I'll watch him again. I'll give you a quick story on the Tennessee game. I don't know if you guys remember this, but. So Steve McNair runs for a touchdown in that game to get, I think that made it like 38 to 30, which was the final score. Cause Ty law had just returned an interception for a touchdown before that and limped into the end zone. McNair scores a touchdown at the same time that David Ortiz doubles off Keith Folk. Yeah. In the play in the ALDS, I think it was because Folk was still playing for Oakland at the time. And there's so many fans in the stands that have their headphones in listening to the Sox game that 
McNair scores a touchdown, and the fans start cheering. <laughs> and then they showed, I think they showed on the screen after that, Ortiz's double. But I remember after the game, talking to Richard Seymour, and he was pissed. <laughs> I bet. He was like, if you want to watch the Red Sox, go to the Red Sox. I love that. <laughs> but it was uh, just a, a funny anecdotal story about that game that I remember. I remember that, yeah. Awesome. I realized it was that game. <laughs> and that started the, the 21 game win streak it did it, it angered them so much that <laughs> yeah, the Boston Richard fans had like, so so yeah. many uh, championship teams to choose from to cheer for Belichick's like alright we're going to overtake the Red Sox yeah. boom mission accomplished now <laughs> exactly oh man yeah we don't talk about yep. that yep so <laughs> uh. alright guys anything else I think yeah, I'm just good. let Troy this Brown know awesome. that we love him and we think he's the man. Yeah. Passing on Troy Brown's love. Yes. Love yeah. Troy Brown. Yeah. Got it. <laughs> Brian, thank right, you guys. so much for doing this. This has been awesome. Thanks, right, Brian. No Thanks, Brian. Right, see you later. Talk to you soon. Yeah. That's pretty, pretty good. Pretty good. All right. So that was Brian from the uh, Pages Hall of Fame. But what we're really here to talk about is the return of mom's golden boy, Drew Bledsoe, to the hallowed halls of what used to be Foxborough Stadium, but isn't because he never actually played in Gillette Stadium. Yeah, so that's not really a return. It's a first time. It isn't, it isn't. It's like, nope. It's like driving past your old house that you grew up in. But then they knocked it down and built another house like a little bit over and now your old house is a parking lot. And a nicer house. Yeah. <laughs> house is in the dump. Yeah. And they're way more successful now. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> You're like, damn, the house looks nice. Oh yeah. man, look at those nice cars parked out there as you drive them by in the jalopy. Yeah. As soon as you left, they won the lottery. <laughs> that very that next happened. year. Yeah. yeah. Uh, amazing. Uh, so yeah, but I think... The announcers and like the the broadcast really wanted this to be a good game. Like the whole intro to it was Bledsoe's coming back to the place that he built, and uh, he like the Patriots were nothing without him, and now he's come back t- to uh, yeah. get vengeance on the team that let him go because of Drew uh, Tom Brady and all this stuff. But they'd already kind of played that in the other game in Orchard Park. They did, but this it was more little, like felt a little old. It did, but this was like, he's coming home and like, how are the fans going to react? And apparently gave him a standing ovation, which... They definitely gave him a standing ovation. As you should, yes. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and it was a big game for the standings, too. It was, I mean, yeah. Cause you're both, talking about the 7-5 and five Pats against the 6-6 six and six Bills. So, I mean, right. this is to, to decide the division. This is a big game. Yeah, and I think the Patriots needed to stay in first place with the Dolphins, I want to say. Maybe even the Jets, too. Um, and the Bills game game behind, so it was one of those. It was like the the only year that there was parity in the AFC East, isn't that what we've been saying yeah, for the past yeah, like saw that graphic the last yeah. time we lost? Yeah. Um, we've already, like you said, though, we've already talked about these Bills. We know that they'll finish eight and eight, um, last in the AFC East. <clears throat> Do not make the playoffs. Uh, we talked about Greg Williams in the last time. They uh, back this season they were having people introduce the teams. We already I forget who we were crapping on for oh, 
uh, Joey Harrington, you guys are shit oh, yeah. a nerd. And they had the same thing where like somebody talks about what the game plan's going to be. Yeah. And we had Troy Brown, you know, and Troy Brown's just saying, you know, we just got to go out there and give it our all. And, you know, yeah. spread the ball around our, to all, do all our, our receivers who are really good. Just do our job. Not including me. And then they had yeah. Greg Williams and he's going out there being like, you got to kill the head first. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Well, he didn't say that. Otherwise, I would have yeah. wrote, wrote it down. But when they said, like, okay, now Greg Williams is going to talk about the yeah. Bills, I was like, well, I know what to expect. Oh, yeah, I, got, yeah. I got my pencil ready. I'm like, oh, come on. Give me a, give me a quote. But it wasn't. It was like, Attack the ACL. <laughs> <laughs> no, but he was all like, I don't know, it was stupid coach garbage instead of Greg Williams garbage. So that was a shame. Yeah. You, know you never know what goes on behind closed doors, you know? That's true, yeah. Well, unless it's Troy. I bet Troy's saying the same thing behind closed doors, you know? You okay. never know, Steve. You never know. I think we uh, – yeah, no. I think we know. I mean, we've already talked to, like, three people who know Troy Brown, and they yeah. all said he's the man. Yeah, yeah I mean, but they barely Brian know him, just too. say about him? <laughs> That's about how he would go and check his, uh, his own locker. Troy Brown would go check his own locker to make sure that uh, his stuff, was, his still stuff was still there. Every morning. Yeah. I'm just saying, never meet your heroes. Well, <laughs> Especially yeah. Aaron Hernandez donated <laughs> a lot of money to charity, but I tell you what, he wasn't that cool. <laughs> Do you trying to like hint at what you're like behind closed doors, Greg? I think we Steve, do. He's an open I door. got some skeletons, baby. So don't you. <laughs> yeah. Let's be honest with each other here. Uh, are we getting into those right now? Is that what we're doing? <laughs> well, I do have a, I did do a little bit of a dive on Travis Henry. Okay. All right. That maybe is why I'm I saying these the things. Perfect. <laughs> yeah. perfect segue. Well Checkered done. Pasts. Well, to back to like the the bills this year. I I did a I found there. You know how they used to do those yearbook, yeah, like video montages on like VHS. Yeah. So I found yeah, their two thousand and two thousand Patriots one. Yeah, yeah. So I found the two thousand two Bills yearbook, and it was appropriately titled "A Work in Progress." <laughs> <laughs> It is so funny. And then uh, the Patriots one was entitled to <laughs> no, building for the future. Oh yeah. Building for the future. Building for the future. <laughs> yeah. It's all bullshit taglines. Yeah. But they were uh, talking about signing Bledsoe and like getting all these quotes from players talking about how much they loved them and how he's like a blue collar guy that fits in in Buffalo. And one of the guys said, uh, there's no highfalutin ways. He's a true Buffalonian. What? Highfalutin, Andy. Highfalutin. <laughs> we don't like, we're, we're not a highfalutin podcast over here. No, we are not. Yeah. We're big dick dummies over here. We're, we're <laughs> steak, steak and potatoes kind of podcast. <laughs> My collar is literally blue right now. <laughs> you are wearing a blue collar. <laughs> highfalutin. What, does that mean like like you're playing the flute and you're like keeping it high? Pompous or pretentious is what Google.com says. Wait, 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 wait. So Travis Henry knows a word that I don't? <laughs> no, no, I don't think it was Travis him. Henry. Yeah, it was someone saying about blood, so. Oh, okay, okay. It wasn't, I thought it was a quote from Travis Henry here. I was floored. Yeah, but what does the, uh, the other website say about it? What's the definition from um, Urban Dictionary? Urban Dictionary, yeah. Ooh. Stat check. Uh, synonyms, synonyms, hoity toity and la ti da. <laughs> <laughs> All right, got it. Urban dictionary, here we go. Highfalutin. Uh, 
groundless assumption of a higher status or affection than actually contained. That's that's not very. Urban that's not very good. Mm, well, Urban Dictionary has like real definitions too. They're not just like funny ones. No. We need Urban Thesaurus. Yes, I think you're right. We should just go right there every time. We're wasting our time at Urban Dictionary. Urban Dictionary terms. High falutin. I thought it had something to do with a flute. Andy can't but, even spell it. He's trying to go spe- that, check it right now. Can't even figure yeah, it out. Yeah, I'll try to find high flute. And for some reason, I'm on high asshole on our dictionary. <laughs> it's Greg. Fancy schmancy. Um, oh, God. It gets a little dark there. <laughs> uh, zooted. Gucci. Go. That's Gucci. It's <laughs> <laughs> high flute. Dank, obviously. Mookin. Mookin. Okay. Like Mookie? I'm Ukin. <laughs> New Jersey's bachelor degree. I don't <laughs> and then somehow we end up at cum dumpster. I feel like it's one of those like, how many like uh, ways can you get to Nicolas Cage? Urban Thesaurus just always ends up at cum dumpster. <laughs> <laughs> All links lead to cum dumpster. Yeah, it's Kevin Bacon. It's like the seven degrees of Kevin Bacon. Urban That's what it is. Yeah, Kevin Bacon. Cum dumpster. <laughs> yeah. Ah, shit. All right. Love it. So what, do you, what else about Travis Henry? Other than he's highfalutin. <laughs> speaking, of, yeah. speaking of cum dumpster. <laughs> <laughs> Nicely done. Yeah, so um, I went back all the way through to like his high school years. He was the, he's from Florida. He was Mr. Florida football in his senior like year. Deal in Florida. Yeah, which is a huge deal. He's yeah. from Frostproof, Frostproof Florida. Frostproof. Which yeah. apparently is a, a yeah, yeah. That's tough. Frostproof. Yeah, that's the, yeah, that's the, the exact frost, yeah. So he ran for 4,000 plus yards and 42 touchdowns in his senior year. In, in one year? Yeah, in 14 games, which averages about 300 yards a game and three touchdowns. <laughs> Fuck me. Like, every, every game. Quarterbacks <laughs> don't do that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so he was pretty highly touted coming out of the out of high school. He went yeah, to Tennessee, good. but I guess he was sharing carries with Jamal Lewis. Oh well, yeah. So it took him a while to really get going. Um, he was nicknamed Cheese by his strength coach, strength coach, for being as tough as a block of government cheese. That's a that's a stretch. Like we, that's we come st- up with bad <laughs> nicknames, and even that's a stretch. It's such yeah. a strength coach thing to say, too. I guess so. Oh, yeah. Get a cheese. So, I yeah. was raised on, on government cheese. <laughs> I turned out okay. <laughs> breast milk? No. Government <laughs> breast milk. <laughs> we couldn't afford breast milk. My mom just made breast cheese. <laughs> yeah, so he, uh, he ends up getting drafted in the second round. All right. Um, 2001 NFL draft. Oh, in, in the draft. So I kind of went down another rabbit hole when they said his Wonderlick score was a nine. Out of how many? 27. 50. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> we'll come, we'll come back to the, to the Wonderlick score. Cause oh, I have more on that. Yeah. <laughs> So, I mean, we all kind of know what he did in uh, his career. You know, he had to bounce around a few teams, had one Pro Bowl year. Um, so let's get to his personal life, the more interesting <laughs> stuff. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> he was actually married once at age 19 oh. to a woman that was six years older than him. Um, as of when, when this article was written, he had 11 children by 10 different women. <laughs> and, yeah. and he's in jail, so he obviously can't pay his child support payments. Well, Why is he in jail, you may ask? Well, <clears throat> on September 30th, 2008, Henry was arrested by the DEA after allegedly being involved in a multi-kilogram cocaine transaction that occurred in Colorado. Multi-kilogram? Multi-kilogram <laughs> cocaine. That's, that's a shitload. Oh, yeah. Henry, away for. Uh, Henry portrayed by court documents as, quote, the ruthless money guy in a cocaine trafficking ring, Holy faced 10 years to life on federal drug trafficking charges. Uh, they reached a plea agreement. And da, 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 10 years in prison. Plus four million dollars in fines, Holy plus shit. at least one hundred seventy thousand dollars a year in child support payments, which is, <laughs> there it is. unrelated. But <laughs> that's why he can't pay his child support. Holy shit! But he's out now. Then you're right. Ten years, two thousand eight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You get him on the pod. <laughs> See what he has to say for himself. We can't pay him, Andy. How's he going to pay his child support? He's going to work. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, we'll start a GoFundMe. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> we'll love to get him on. To raise that, how, how much money did he have to spend a year on child support? One hundred seventy thousand. Yeah. All right. If we can get one hundred seventy thousand dollars, maybe we'll get Travis. Wait, how much podcast. is that per kid? Well, ten or eleven kids, right? Grand. Yeah. Yeah. That's not even that much, right? <laughs> That's not even that much money. Yeah, <laughs> like seventeen <laughs> grand for a child. <laughs> not even. Yeah, it's probably about a thousand bucks a month per kid. That's <laughs> up to 170 grand a year. Damn, uh, man. I mean, they do say that kids are expensive, but fuck. Dude, he should have stayed with the lady married at 19. All yeah. this could have been avoided. That's true. You gotta love the one you're with, Greg. Yeah, that's why I stay with Kelly. Is you know, that's I don't want to. I don't want to. <laughs> I don't want to <laughs> impregnate all these women if we break <laughs> up. You know. <laughs> That's what it is. <laughs> It'll be all over me. <laughs> uh, speaking of being all over things, is that your Travis Henry deep dive? Uh, yes, that is the Travis Henry. I got some more stuff on the Wonderlick, but that's, that's what I got on Henry. Oh, all right. Let's do the Wonderlick then. I was just going to dive into the game, but I'm more interested in scoring nine on a Wonderlick. Yeah. So, I mean, I was like... Is nine good? So I look, looked it up, and it's it's quite clearly not good. It's one of the <laughs> one of the lowest scores that in history. Really? Um, well, the lowest ever was a four by Darren Davis. <clears throat> so I was like, you know, I was like, hey, let me figure. I want to see like what kind of questions they got on here. So I actually took the Wonderlick test. Yeah, you can take it, right? Well, yeah. mm-hmm. right, so we have to guess what, what I get on the Wonderlick out of fifty. I, well, I I took it two times. Okay. So you want to try and guess my average score out of 50? Out of 50. Mm-hmm. Nine. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be perfect. You just couldn't even, you're sitting over here talking shit out of me. Can't even. So, yeah, so here's the thing. 
I, I think you have a tiny, tiny penis. So I'm going to say 35. Ooh, yeah. You are a big, big. It's <laughs> <laughs> a good point, Andy. So, so either way, either way, you kind of fucking yourself. Travis, Travis Henry is definitely a big dick dummy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? I mean, it's it like all in the lower the, the score, the bigger your dick. You come out like, I got a four, baby. <laughs> the 11 kids, right? I go to pro, yeah. go pro Plus form. the 11 kids. Yeah. yeah. So I took it the first time and I got 29. And then I got the second time I got a 36. Oh, so, yeah, right. That was so pretty one. good. Brady oh, got Brady got a 33. So, right, so you're right in that range. I'm like, yeah, range. I'm in the Brady smarts and looks range. Oh, it's a shame that um, Brady's got a small dick. Mm, mm, right. <laughs> <laughs> but he had a massive heart uh, until he uh, went to Tampa Bay and then it shrunk. Right, yeah. So the thing about it, though, is it's, <clears throat> it's 50 questions, uh, but it's only 12 minutes. Right. Yeah. So it's really uh, you're racing against time, which I think the first time I was like, I ran out of time. But uh, the the... And my guess is a lot of those people are getting nines or like single digits are just sitting there. They don't know how to take the test rather than they, all the questions you could probably figure out if you had enough time. Yeah. But a lot of them are like, they vary in difficulty. So if you know how to take the test of like, all right, skip the hard ones yeah, and go to the good. ones that are easy. But that being said, some of the questions are, I, I screenshotted some of them. <clears throat> I'll ask you this one. Which of the following numbers is the smallest? 0. 0.6, 85, 0. 0.33, or 13? <laughs> like, that shouldn't take you 15 seconds to figure yeah, out, no. you know? Yeah, six. six. Yeah. Six. 13. <laughs> the sixth month of the year is? <laughs> February, March, April, May, June. Yeah. Even that's not 15 seconds. Everybody should get that one. Yeah. But then you there's other one. Yeah, there's other ones like this one. Four individuals invest in real estate together and agree to split the profits equally and invest 12,000 X, 6,000 Y, 25,000 Z, 7,000. If the profits for the first year were 12,000, 120,000 Y receives blank less than if the profits were divided in proportion to how much they invest. Oh, God. Like that one, yeah, I mean, you could probably figure it out, but it's going to more than 15 seconds for sure, right? Right. So I thought it was pretty interesting. You want to hear some notable names? Oh, yeah, always. Yeah, scores. yeah, yeah. Are we talking top or bottom? Oh, we got both. <laughs> All right. You want to start on the top or want to start? Yeah, let's, at the start the, let's save the bottom for, for last. I want to savor it. Okay. So there's one person ever that's got a perfect score. Uh, was it Fitzpatrick? Ryan Fitzpatrick? No. He did go to Harvard. Fitzpatrick got a 48. That's what I, yeah, I knew he got real high. Who yeah. Had, Perfect. Pat McAnally, some fifth round pick in 1975. Where did he play? What Wait, position? the has been around that long too? Yeah, I guess so. Damn. What position did he play? Uh, I don't know. Most of these are quarterbacks though. These That's guys that are high guy, up there. Yeah. Mike Mamula got a 49. The other, the other 48 on here is a yeah. New England Patriot. Oh, well, you just said half his first name, didn't you? Mike? Lonnie Paxton. No. Oh, I thought you said Lonnie. What positions do you play? Yeah. Tight end. Aaron Hernandez. <laughs> <laughs> no, Gronk. He, he's on the other list. <laughs> no, Gronkowski's on the bottom end of the list. Oh, sure. yeah. Gronk. Imagine that. <laughs> Rod Rutledge. <laughs> so it's not Jermaine Wiggins. It's definitely Wiggy. Uh, it's not Fourier. Is it someone in no. like, this era that we've been watching? And yeah, stuff? yeah. Really? 
Fourier? No. Ben Cam, Coates. Cam Cleveland. Ben Watson. Oh, yeah. He's a smart dude. Fuck, I should yeah. Forget about the Ben Watson era. Mm. Damn. All right. Um, Gardner Minshew got a 42. Really? Holy shit. Yeah. So yeah, I know. He's not as dumb as he looks. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. He's yeah, got, yeah, he knows what he's doing. Him, he's like, he's got a huge dick. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the fucking swag and the mustache. Yeah. And the You're like, well, that guy's fucked. Uh, the flint. Clearly not. Yep. Nope. nope. Um, Calvin Johnson of 41. Megatron. Yeah. Okay. yeah. I thought that was pretty surprising. There's not many receivers on here. Uh, Eli Manning, 39. Tony Romo, 37. He had somebody take it for him. Yeah, Eli. <laughs> yeah, his brother took it for him. <laughs> Josh Allen, 37. Wow. Wait, hang on. Uh, is there any questions about not throwing interceptions on this? Mm. <laughs> I'm going to guess no. Where did Josh Allen go? Like, Montana, Wyoming, yeah, yeah. big open space. Yeah, so let's let's look at the bottom half of the list here. Yeah, thank you. The kid, good stuff. Here's Hernandez and Gronk. Who thought he scored higher? There's a a lot of great names down here. (laughs) (laughs) Donovan McNabb got a 14 or 15, or (laughs) Jim Kelly got a 15. Wow. Lamar Jackson, 13. Uh, Ray Lewis, 13. God damn. Darrell Rivas, a 10. Sebastian Janikowski got a nine. (laughs) That is perfect. (laughs) That makes sense. That's perfect. Yeah. Yeah. Talk about a big dick dummy. Definitely. (laughs) (laughs) Big kick dummy. Uh, Vince Young. So here's an interesting one Vince Young got a six. And then he he was readministered the test the following day and got a 16. Really? Wow. wow. So that's why I'm saying like a lot of this probably has to do with like, yeah. did but you study? Did, you know? oh, <laughs> did anyone like, explain how to do this to you? There's so much of like draft prep that they should be like, you, like, you can just go on the internet yeah. and take a Wonderlic test. Like, you know, before you go to the combine, take a bunch of Wonderlic tests. So you know, yeah. Take first. two. Yeah. I mean, And you know what I think probably has to do with it? Like standardized test standardized testing is a lot of like it's your mental approach so people that like if it's not your skill i think it's a lot easier to like shut down and be like i'm not even gonna try yeah yeah, yeah. it's almost like with me weightlifting with me right i i can't <laughs> do it so i was always just like i don't want to do it because i suck at it you know but do if yeah if they actually put the time in and a little effort i bet they could score like reasonable oh, yeah. scores this is to me are all people that are like i don't see any value in this so i'm just kind of bullshitting it when i was in college i would like take a test and get down to just a couple of 50 50 answers on like a multiple choice test i bring a coin to me and i just flip the coin (laughs) and then mark down heads or dills but i do it pretty quick so everyone's staring at me because i'm just flipping coins and writing down my answers yeah that sounds about right steve if the coin came up heads and i really wanted to be tails i put the tails yeah you know yeah that's a good point and that's some of the, the other thing is like, I don't think there's anything you get points off for a wrong answer. So these people that got like a, a seven, you could literally, they're all like four, uh, choice questions. You could, yeah, yeah. you could guess every time you get you better. Just pick an a for all of them and get higher than a seven. Right. Yeah. yeah. Just by law. Um, Frank Gore got a six. Like, oh, <laughs> it's, it's clearly not indicative of like how good of a career you're going to have. That's what I was going to say. Yeah. Maybe it's actually probably 
yeah. more, more indicative. The lower you get, the more focused you are on football. Mm. You obviously weren't studying how to take tests. Yeah. And then the two lowest are that guy, Darren Davis, no. and then Morris Claiborne, that wow. cornerback from yeah. Uh, yeah. Dallas. He got a four. Wow. <laughs> you almost have to try. Yeah. You don't play for writing your name like, 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 <laughs> like, like that. <laughs> Got it. Four. Like, I think I would specifically have to try to get a four. Right. Like, yeah. It would be harder for me to get a four than to get like a. Th- yeah, but you haven't been hitting the head a whole shitload. Eh, I've been hitting the head a lot. <laughs> What's your name? Ooh, the tough ones first. <laughs> spend spend six minutes on his name. <laughs> what is your favorite color? Blue. Oh, no, 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 yellow. <laughs> uh, all right, so speaking of, of failures, let's talk about these bills. What do you guys give this as a watchability score? Greg, you go first. Uh, I would say watch the first half. Yeah, <laughs> that's fair. Yeah, so I mean, it's kind of, I would say, let's say four. I'll go three, three and, and a half. half. Yeah, let's go three and a half because... The good thing is it's one of those games where you don't have to watch the whole thing. You watch the first half and then you can just turn it off. And you, you don't really to... even watch like the first, the first quarter and the fourth quarter. All right. Because the first quarter, the Patriots score three times on all three drives with uh, a blood to interception, like mixed in there. Yeah, just, yeah, just, just sprinkled in. A and classic then... blood to interception. Yeah. Uh, and then he, yeah, it was a, a batted ball. It got batted straight up and Seymour picked it. Uh, which sandwiched uh, two Tom Brady touchdown passes, one to Patton and one to a back shoulder to Donald Hayes, of all people. I was, I, was, I was watching that, and I was like, where's Hayes been all year? And I think I figured it out. Because on, there's a one on the field goal, the first drive, where Branch got hurt. Yes. And because he's out, Hayes is in. Right, yeah. So Hayes got kind of like, he was their big signing in the offseason. And I thought he's, like, he's been pretty decent. When he's in there. Yeah. But, but he's Branch not, is know, like, Branch. Branch came in as a rookie and just took his job. He did, yeah. Mm. Yeah, I think that's exactly what happened. Donald Ruther- Rutherford B. Hayes. <laughs> oh, 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 not bad. That's mm. great. Yeah. Uh... <laughs> I like it when you guys like my nicknames. <laughs> uh, let me try one. Drew uh, Lung Bled, so. Okay, okay. Cause what, he, what do you mean? His, his lung bled. Yeah. Oh, long bled. I think it's long, long bled. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Apparently, so what I I was reading again, and oh, it was the new book that came out, uh, the new uh, Pages yeah, book, yeah. Dynasty or something like that, and um, and like the first chapters about Bledsoe being in the hospital, and apparently, the hit sheer like broke his, um rib right like a bunch of ribs yeah and one of them like poked through an artery in his lungs and so it filled up the space around his lungs with blood which collapsed the lung so what they did is they put a two because they they could have like they were supposed to go in and like cut him open to to drain it but if they did that it w- they would have had to cut all the muscles that he used to throw the football with so they basically mm. just stuck a tube in there and sucked the blood out and then had another tube where, like, in his arm that would like put the blood back in where it was supposed to go. Yeah. 
And they're like, so we're going to do this for a couple hours. And if it works, we won't have to cut you open and you'll maybe be able to play football again. And if it doesn't, this could be the end of your career right now. That's crazy. Damn. Super fucking sketchy. Yeah, I don't think I was ever aware of how serious of an injury that was. Yeah, me neither. I mean, I knew it, but like, I didn't know from that detail. That's crazy. Yeah, yeah, it's nuts that that's only now coming out, it feels like. We're going to hook you up to a sump pump. Uh, (laughs) Basically. Hopefully this works. We're just going to circulate your blood like you're a fucking... Yeah, uh, dialysis patient. Well, I was going to say like a fucking uh, hose... uh, Not a pool, but like a fucking fish tank. Empire? A fish tank. Oh. Pump the water in, pump the water out, pump the water in, pump the water out. Now it's clean. And it's where it's supposed to be. I think dialysis is the better... uh, Yeah, but that's not nearly as funny of a visual. (laughs) If your blood's hooked up to a fucking fish tank. It's a Chinese fire drill, right, Steve? <laughs> Isn't that? Hey, that's racist. <laughs> it's not. <laughs> for the for a red blood cell Chinese fire drill. <laughs> red blood cell. Uh, so yeah, so that was kind of that was the first quarter, and then the last quarter was um, blood cell throw more interceptions and peerless price fumbling, which made me feel real good. Because he was talking a bunch of trash being down three touchdowns the entire game. I mean, he was peerless. closer than you'd think, though. I mean, we ran out 17 nothing immediately. Yeah. And we only won by 10. Well, it was 10, but... There was, was, a, there was a point <clears throat> there. Like, the Bills were getting a little momentum. It was, gar- they, after, it was after but the there was a... TD. After the first TD, yeah, in the third quarter. But then blood, they turned the ball over three times in a row in the fourth quarter. Yeah. Mm. So... The it's a classic reason. Bledsoe game. I think we said this last time we paid yeah. the Bills, but his his stats are even more Bledsoe this game. Yeah, give me the stat line because it's it's super typical Bledsoe. Thirty-two of fifty-one for three hundred twenty-eight yards, two touchdowns, and four interceptions. Yeah, <laughs> and most of those three hundred yards came in garbage time because he's hucking the ball in the fourth quarter literally every play. Yeah, but I think didn't he like hey. set some record for? 300-yard games by Buffalo Bill in a season. Really? <laughs> yeah, I think I wrote it down. Oh, yeah, no, he, he crossed 305 completions, which was a Bill's record in week 14, which is impressive. But he also threw four interceptions on that day, which is the most he's ever thrown since 1999. That is the most shocking stat of the night. Yeah, that he went that many years without throwing four interceptions in a game. Three. Yeah. Three? Three years. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Well, I mean, that's a long time. For... I mean, he sat out all 2001, so that makes sense. Yeah. So I got to say, I wrote this down because there's a lot of shots of Drew Bloods in this game, as you would expect. And in terms of, like, the Patriots have had really handsome quarterbacks over the years. I think Drew Bledsoe is underrated in that. Of course. I think he's a handsome dude. I think yeah. He's got a very chiseled face and very just like... Well, he's underrated because think about the other handsome people coming through there. Yeah. I mean, early Drew Bledsoe wasn't that handsome with the bowl cut and the, the but like, chin butt. And... Brady wasn't with the chin butt? Yeah, he didn't look great with the chin yeah, butt. Yeah, what did happen to Brady's chin butt? Nobody asked that. The man's had some work done to things. <laughs> mm-hmm. Boy. Yeah. That's I mean, suspicious. If you live with who he lives with, you, you would have work done too, regardless right. of how beautiful you yeah. think you were. If I got my chin butt erased and then I could, you know, marry someone with as much money and prestige as Giselle, I'd probably do that too. Yeah. So where is he on your hunkometer then? Uh, good question. So I mean, let, let's... <laughs> How many dildos out of six? <laughs> <laughs> How many Buffalo Bills dildos? 
I mean, old Tom, like, not old Tom Brady, but like, wait, we're talking about Drew. I know, but I, I'm I'm putting my list like, like post chin butt Tom Brady is probably my number one. I. I personally would put Drew Bledsoe over Jimmy G. Cliff, oh, King, Cliff no Kingsbury, he, he's got to be on that list. He's an attractive dude. No way. I'm going to put Jimmy G at the top. He's a supermodel. Yeah. Oh, Jimmy GQ. What a nickname. Yeah. I'm he's kind of, I don't know. He, yeah. He, he doesn't quite do it for me. Something's not quite right. He's, yeah, got, the, he's got the rugged <laughs> good looks and the boyish handsomeness that you always talk about, Greg. I don't know. There's, you know, there's something off. Yeah, there's it's just not, yeah. Do you guys think Danny Amendola is ugly? No, I think no. I think him and uh, Jimmy G look similar. No, I think Julian's the best looking one. Yeah, I, all right. That's you just think that because Julian has a crazy beard and it's a quality. Tip. You respect that. You could look good, but now you, <laughs> the old you look like a dump. But now you look like a real dump. Sort of thing. <laughs> so then when Julian shaves his beard, he just looks like that's, a dump. that's actually a valid point, Steve. <laughs> So I just came to a realization of this Drew Bledsoe poster I used to have. Do you remember? Yeah. Poster that said 10 reasons Drew Bledsoe will kick your butt. Yeah. Yes. I remember that. <laughs> I remember someone would be absolutely ridiculous too. Did you get it like a, a school fair too? Like a book fair? The book that? fair. Yeah. The book fair. I also got the, the law firm one with lawyer. lawyer oh, that off. one was amazing. That was my go-to. That was my go-to. Was I, I found this poster though. You, do you guys got a computer in front of you to look it up? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. If you want to talk about the, the hunkometer. Drew Bledsoe. Shit, man. What do I Google to find it? Uh, 10 reasons Drew Bledsoe will kick your butt. Image This one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, my God. I remember yeah. There's a ton of, like, nice, you know, studio quality oh, photo man. shots here with him. Bigger. With nice lighting. I don't know if I'd call him night. I probably still have this poster. Really? Because it was in the shrine, so it's probably in, in the basement right now. We could dig that out. We're here. We're yeah. I, so, how about this? What if, if we find it? Can we give it away as a as a prize? Oh, dude! Would you be all right with that? Oh, Andy, that's that's a tall ask. It is. The tall ask is finding it because you have so much shit in that basement bag. <laughs> There's like 15 boxes of your crap. Dude, it's all from the shrine. I had one yeah. box with my name on it. I went I went through it while I was home. Half the shit in there is yours. <laughs> <laughs> All my stupid outfits are in there too. That, that chicken wing hat is going to end up in a box in <laughs> our parents' basement at some point. No, chicken wing hat's getting given away too. Yeah, we're we're going to give away all of Greg's uh, childhood possessions. As long as you don't throw away my fur coat, I'll be all happy. Right. Let's read the, uh, the reasons, Greg. Hit them with us. Well, there's no, there's no real reason. So it's just 10 oh, photos. Yeah. Yeah, but five of them are these like they're, they're not quite black and white, but they're like like sepia or sepia, however you pronounce that, or it's like yeah, yellowish black and white studio type. Like yeah. I'm in a dark room, and he's like lifting weights yeah. in three of them. One, he's doing like a bicep curl with a with a uh, sleeveless shirt on. He's <laughs> like holding a football pensively. Yeah. <laughs> It's just, it's so ridiculous. I, I, I actually remember having those conversations with myself as a kid. Where like, what are the 10 reasons? And like looking at each yeah, phone and being like, 
oh, he's got good footwork. There's one where he's handing it off. He's like, oh, he's a great, he's a great play action. Good, good uh, decision maker. Yeah. <laughs> Whoops. Got great biceps. Not throwing a pick on this play. <laughs> got good mental toughness. That's the one with him looking pensive. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's a that's a quality. Yeah, if we find that, we will we will let the listeners know. And I think I think we're gonna keep doing what we're doing with the uh, the best. Yeah, just write us a review. Yeah, the best review. We'll Go to ratethispodcast.com slash Pat's Pod. He's memorized that. You didn't even have to read that off of anything. Yeah, that's the way to go. Andy, you know I can't read. It'll be in the show notes. That's true. So yeah, if you want to rate us for a chance to win, if we can find Greg's poster of Drew Bledsoe. It's probably down there somewhere. Classic Drew Bledsoe softcore porn. It, yeah. That's, that's what it is. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's, he's a beautiful dude. man in these pictures, though. I just don't think you – I can't be guys think he's better looking than – Jimmy G. And Danny Amendola? Would you say Danny Amendola or Drew Bledsoe's? That's mm. <laughs> a little deep, deep. Amendola's, mm, Amendola's good looking. He is. I think I'm still on the Bledsoe train, though. Andy's, I think Bledsoe's Andy's my number two. Of, of Drew Bledsoe. Andy, do I need to leave the room? Hang on. Let, let's see. Uh, shirtless. Drew Bledsoe shirtless. <laughs> nice. Drew Bledsoe let's shirtless. just say, oh, <laughs> the first picture of Drew Bledsoe shirtless. All right. Let, let me just give you a an array of what's happening here. The first one is, well, it looks like rookie Drew Bledsoe with um, Bill Parcells in those old school starter jackets that, that make you look super puffy and fat. He's fat. Yeah, Although nobody's one topless. The, one of the top results is Tom Brady's combine picture, yep. which I'm a big fan of. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was getting to. Are you going to go to the, the Super Bowl gay guy guide? The gay guy guide to the big game, Super Bowl Get out of XLVII. Here. Let's... Uh, yeah, how was Drew Bledsoe part of the Super Bowl? A man Steve, eating vagina, a giant turtle, gay rights supporters. Oh, this is the 49ers Ravens one. Why is Drew Bledsoe Why is in Drew here? Bledsoe in there? That's not Drew Bledsoe. That's Kaepernick holding a pet turtle, turtle, Sammy. I don't know why that showed up. <laughs> Bledsoe. Yeah, not a lot of Drew Bledsoe shirtless photos. Oh. Andy, very upset. Yeah. So I guess I, I, can't, I can't say for sure that Drew Bledsoe is my number two. because Yeah, that's a shame. You were just Googling Drew Bledsoe shirtless? Yeah. No. Good God. Doesn't come, nothing comes there. up. <laughs> Welcome to All the right. podcast, Greg. Where let's, you just, let's, let's just cut to the chase and Google Bledsoe naked. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Drew Bledsoe porn. <laughs> porn actors look like Drew Bledsoe. <laughs> Deep fake, baby. David, stop, <laughs> stop reading. Drew Bledsoe wonderlick score. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> Ooh, let's figure that one out. What do you guys think it is? If you had to guess. Uh, it's like a 20... 25, right in the middle. 29. Ooh. Got a guess? I, oh, I already looked it up. Yeah, so did I. Dude, 36. Oh, this has 37. Oh, even better. He outsmarted Tom Brady. Dude, our boy is wicked smart. Blaine Gabbert scored a 42. Yeah, I saw cool. that one. I, I didn't bring it up because it, it didn't fit my narrative. <laughs> Give me uh, Brandon Whedon. Uh, Remember the old Cleveland guy? Yeah. I bet they're like, well, he's, he's older, but he's got a really high Wonderlick score. 27. No, never mind. <laughs> Josh McCown, 30. Andy Dalton, 29, in case you're wondering. I wasn't. Gronkowski got a 32. Is that better than you, Greg? Wait, what Gronkowski shot. That he had somebody take that for what him. What about Hernandez? Mm. 
Ooh, that's a good one, Stevie. <laughs> Guesses? I think his is probably pretty bad. I'm saying he's was like super smart psychopath. Not less than 20. Beat Gronk. Huh. I don't see anything for it. He definitely went to the combine. Aaron Hernandez, Wonderland. Oh, 17. Teens, <laughs> baby. I nailed it. Yeah. All right. Uh, while we're on the topic. What about like Tyree Kill? Man, we're just we're just gonna do this, huh? We already heard Ray Lewis. Tyree Kill, Wonderlick, twenty-seven. Oh, not bad, not bad. Who just like comes off as wicked dumb? <laughs> I mean, take your pick. Well, what about Cam Newton? Do you think higher Ooh. or lower than Brady? <sighs> Slightly lower. I'm saying high twenties. Lower Brady, thirty-two. Give me thirty-three plus one. 21. Greg. 21. Which is below the NFL quarterback average of 26. Who's who's a fucking idiot? What about Terrell Owens? That'll be an interesting one. Ooh, Terrell. What? <laughs> no. What? This yes. is these. Yeah, uh, give us a guess. See, this could go either way. But right. Uh, it's either really high or really low. I'm going really low, like a 12. Half. Lower. Lower? By half. Six? That's yeah. what this says. <laughs> wow. What about Jerry Rice? See, because he strikes me as someone that would be like, this thing is stupid. I'm not doing it, you know? Yikes. Jerry Rice, 15. Um, Dude, we could do this all day. I mean, we, we really should, could. You should just go down the list of the – what's your list, Greg, where you, all the guys with a bunch of babies? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. What's that Hall of Fame called? The Breeder Hall of Fame, probably. Yeah, they have, like, they have a blog post on it. <laughs> Yeah, I don't think I had a. I don't think I had a. a yeah, name we, for we, it. we should put the uh, the Wonderlic scores next to those and, and do like a mm. a power ranking where it's, it's kids times Wonderlic score. That's a good point. Your mm. power rank because clearly Wonderlic's size of your dick, right? Correlation. Oh yeah, yo, we should do a scientific mathematical deep dive into. This is Andy's way of trying to go measure Drew Budso's dick. Hello, Drew. <laughs> yeah, it's for science project I'm doing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Science project. <laughs> it is fascinating, though. It was. Poor Vince Young. Yeah, he had a, he had a rough go of it. Just I, I just feel bad for him. Yeah. All right. Should we talk? You want to do best and worst on this game? I mean, there's not much happened outside of those two quarters. Sure. You want to give him a quick uh, recap of the game, though, from start to finish? Because I don't think we said the final score. Good point. Final score, 27-17, your New England Patriots, thanks to a garbage-time Bills touchdown, which I thought mirrored the last Bills drive in the, the time when we played them in Buffalo, where they drove, yeah. they, drove from like, they, they drove from their own 12, drove all the way down the field and started like chucking in the end zone, and it looked like they weren't going to get a touchdown out of it anyway. But this time they did, even though it didn't matter. And they were like, Drew Butts already had four picks. The commentator's like, well, I don't know about this. Maybe yeah. you should just not sling it. But come yeah. on. It's Drew fucking Bledsoe. You yeah. know Drew Bledsoe. Yeah. You know it's coming. Oh, yeah. So, and Molds made this like circus one-handed yeah. ridiculous spinning catch too. Their other touchdown was worth. a clear OPI. Yeah. The commentators are like, we're 100 yards away and we can even see the fans are right. Yeah. It was. But. But yeah, we go up seventeen, nothing, like immediately. Yeah, uh, the Bills get that one touchdown and kind of turns around. So it's what seventeen seven at one point, I believe. 
or 20. No, no they, they didn't score until the second half. Yeah, but it was like 20 to 7. The Bills had some good momentum. Yeah. Another field goal, 2010. At that point, you're like, okay. Yeah, and, that, and then the, the Patriots to go either way. tried to like do the backbreaker thing where they tried to end around. But oh, it was too uh, – Daniel Graham, I think, was the guy running the end around, and he fumbled it. Uh, so they ended up going three and out on that. And so you're like, oh, fuck this. You can feel the shift happening. Um, but then Peel's Price fumbles, like first play of the drive. And then the Patriots score a touchdown, Antoine Smith. And then from there, Bledsoe just starts throwing interceptions. Where was that um, – whatever it's called – the Philly special, I think they're calling it now. Oh, yes. So that was going to be. That was right at the end of the, my the best second quarter. And we'll put this in the, the show notes. Did too. you see this, Greg, this play? I don't think so. So they had two touchdowns. By the, by the end of the first half, they'd had two touchdowns called back on penalty. So it could have been instead of 17. Both, for, um, both of them were called back on Kevin Falk. He scored two touchdowns in this game. And. Uh, one was a running touchdown where he just like ran it untouched from no, the. One was the Dion Branch when we got hurt. Well, then they had three touchdowns called back because I remember towards the end of the game, yeah, Falk had a TD called back. It was like a long touchdown run where he got untouched but it was called back for holding and it was like a bullshit call. Mm. Um, but this one, Greg, uh, was called back. And I mean, you remember this play working? Because uh, they've tried it in other. Oh yes, I did see this. So it's basically, if you guys remember from the Dolphins, I don't know if it's happened yet. Has it? Have we talked about it? The where Kevin Falk takes a direct snap, uh, Brady out of the shotgun, and runs to his right, and then does a throwback to Brady. In this case, scores a touchdown. And this is it was a, this would have been Brady's first and only ever receiving, receiving touchdown. touchdown. Yeah, he never caught one. And uh, they, it was such a bullshit call. They said Brady was moving at the snap. No, they said Falk was moving at the snap, which, I mean, it's fine. He was moving sideways, though, so it should technically have been a legal Either way. Either way. shift. Like a- but, yeah. So, yeah, it was, it was a bullshit callback. But it was the exact same play that they ran against Miami where it worked, which I think we've already seen. Yeah, because – Brady talked about turning a, uh, yeah. a, a touchdown, touchdown into a 30-yard yeah, game. game or something like that. Uh, but this is the exact same play, and it worked perfectly. But they got called back, which was bullshit. So that's my best and worst. In this my worst is Brady not dancing in the end zone a little bit more. You know, he was, he was clear. I think he saw Should have gotten a cool, a cool <laughs> high step. Yeah, he should have. Yeah, and you feel like young Brady would do that back in those days. He, he was more fired up than he is. No celebrating in Tampa. Bruce Arians. Little hard ass. <laughs> Brady loves getting yelled at by him. <laughs> we'll find out. Uh, yeah, so that was brutal. And the other two touchdowns that were called back, also brutal. But it was like. But at know, the end of the day, the Pages still won. There was by a bunch of missed opportunities, but points. it was 20 to 10 at one point, and the Bills definitely had momentum. Yeah. And then they just kind of started throwing picks. Eric Mills started dropping the ball, and they just kind of shot themselves in the foot. Yeah. We got, we're going to end a running touchdown to close it out. Yeah. This is a classic Bledsoe interception in there too, where he's like in the grasp and he just like chucks it into yeah. traffic and it's like, oh boy. Yeah, in the middle never, of the field. Yeah, the middle of the field. Never gonna work, but nope. desperation play. Yeah. So I, I was looking at the like uh box score and that last drive that started on their own twelve. Yeah. Uh 
that ended in the touchdown to Molds. Yep. He Bledsoe attempted 15 passes in that one drive. Oh, he did. <laughs> in a row. One, two, three, four, five. There was a couple like Nine. quarterback runs though. <laughs> uh no. <laughs> oh yeah, those one, yeah. Drew Bledsoe middle for ten yards. Yeah. Left guard for one yard. It's amazing. Yeah. You're just putting the team on his back, baby. I mean, that's what he – but apparently the week before he had done but something similar. But that's what I'm saying. He's like – he sees the, the new family's house that looks really nice, and then he goes back to the house in Orchard Park and is like, man, it's just like my old house. <laughs> I'm to put the whole team on my back and throw 50 times a game. <laughs> it's true. Yeah. But, I mean, last week – who was they? Who, oh, he played. Uh, they played the Dolphins, and they beat the Dolphins, right? Um, and it was in in Buffalo in the snow, and he threw 177 of his 306 yards uh, on his last three completions. They were all just like huge plays that that like went for touchdowns, and that's what won the game. Fuck ridiculous. The dude can throw a football. I'll still give him that. Not always to his own team, but. Uh, that's all that matters. Yeah. Also something interesting that they showed uh, a stat on the field, or on the field, Jesus, on the screen was after 12 games in 2001, the Patriots are almost exactly the same spot as they were this year. And yet somehow they didn't win the Super Bowl. Hmm. All right. Want to wrap this baby up? Let's wrap Ooh. this up. All right. Want to give me a best and worst, Greg? My best and worst. Sure. Uh, my best is, let's see, here we got notes, handwritten and everything. I think I already used them all. (laughs) I mean, Drew Bledsoe's performance could probably be both best and worst. I agree. You know, 50 pass attempts, 300 yards, four picks, two touchdowns, two sacks thrown in there too. It's just <laughs> the most Bledsoe stat line you could ever imagine. And, the, and the, even the interceptions were very Bledsoe-esque. Mm, yeah. Them. Yeah. It was a very fitting return. It was. Exactly what you want. Steve? Uh, all right. My, I don't know if this is the best or a worst, but the Patriots punted from the Bills 30. They did? Like late in the game. Fucking Belichick, dude. <laughs> he's, he sucks. <laughs> that was after the Falk touchdown got called back. Yeah. Yeah. And so there's instead of like even because they Vinatieri missed a field goal from about the same spot the last drive. So he's like, fuck it, we're punting. But from the 30. Yeah. You get roasted in today's social media world. 47 yard field goal into the wind. Wasn't happening. And then. Yeah. Not a stats again, guy. I don't know I guess. if this is the best or the worst, but. The commentators are talking about how uh, Chucky, John Gruden, used to be a ball boy at Indiana for, uh, what's the famous coach there? The Colts? No. Oh, Bob Knight. Yeah, Bob Knight. Oh, really? John Gruden, as a little kid, Bob (laughs) Bob Knight's ball boy. God. Oh, my God. Oh, definitely. Oh, 100%. Dude, do you think there's a picture on the internet of that? Probably, right? (laughs) I think you're going to find it if there is. <laughs> Andy Reid takes the picture on the internet. Yeah, it's like, it's oh, like, is, is he like breaking down film to like, oh my god, this guy's so good at the basketball? <laughs> I don't think Chucky breaks down film. Doesn't strike me as that kind of dude. You've never seen QB camp, buddy. Everybody steps in there is the best ever. 
Why is he even in? That's right. Spider left wide. I don't know. <laughs> no, the whole thing's not on the wonder. Yeah. <laughs> Made this play wrong. Uh, another best. Ty Law had a pick in this game, right? Yeah, he did. Yeah, we'll have to, I'm gonna have to call out Ty Law every time he makes an interception, just so people realize how frequent it actually is. It, it does come up a lot. It it's really like every other game, Ty Law's getting a pick. We also call out Troy Brown's stat line for every game. I was just about to say that exactly. If you're calling out Ty Law, I'm calling out Troy Brown because he was breaking ankles in this game. Those quick bubble screens to him. Oh, yeah. And he's oh, just one-on-one one with the quarterback. And you can just feel the fear radiating off Dude, that quarterback. Six stiff arm on one of them. Yeah, well, he broke this guy's ankles all over. It looked like he was going to like cut inside. And he just like jumped outside the guy and he just literally fell over. It was amazing. Uh, is that one of his three catches for 27 yards? Sick. Yeah. <laughs> Frank, are you really, are you sitting here shitting on Troy Brown? No, I'm just saying like we don't gotta we don't gotta wash his balls every game, you know. Yes, we do. What the <laughs> fuck podcast do you think this is? Right. I mean, Ty Law, but Troy Brown, no. You also uh, forgot to mention uh, his one carry for 21 yards. Thank you very much. Yes, yeah, uh, I was hoping you wouldn't look that up. How many yards yeah. does Ty Law have? It doesn't yeah. fit. Doesn't fit my narrative. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Peerless price. Peerless actual retail price had a good game. <laughs> yeah, nine nine for one oh five. Yeah, well yeah, how many of that came in garbage time? Mm-hmm. There were th- those were all the completions in of the fifteen that uh Bledsoe's threw in the fourth quarter. No, you mm-hmm. had the one on oh, no, I was molds with that OPI touchdown. I think molds have both touchdowns. Dude, Ruben Brown, did they have an offensive lineman catch a pass in this game? No, it must be a bat of ball or something. One reception for negative six yards. Reuben Brown, the guard. <laughs> God. On the offensive guard screen. Yeah. That's our cousin, baby. It's worth watching the game probably to see that play. Fat guy with a ball on his hands. Fucking love that stuff. <laughs> it's never a bad thing. Yeah. All right, boys. We'll find All right. out if, if any of these are correct next week on the Pages Dynasty podcast. See you later. See you later. See you later.